0: Welcome to Terrible, the podcast where two friends discuss true crime stories in hopes to prepare themselves for life's most terrible things. Quick disclaimer, the following podcast will include graphic and explicit content. Our goal is to respect victims and their families. We do not want to sensationalize crimes or glorify criminals. We are not experts. We want to tell these stories in order to learn from them and make sure victims and their families are not forgotten.
1: I'm Renee, a longtime true crime enthusiast. Marie, on the other hand, has recently delved into all that is true crime. We both believe that once you watch or listen to your first true crime case, there's no going back. So let's do this. Just before we get started, we do want to mention that we have a merch store there's a lot of great stuff so if you guys want to check it out and support the show you can go on etsy and look us up at terrible true crime the last thing is that it really helps when you rate the show and leave a review or a comment wherever you listen all right let's get into some updates so honestly there hasn't been much going on for me we had a little get-together last weekend and it was really nice it was kind of the first little like our housewarming party also the first time that people were all able to gather together kind of without even covid being in the yeah. back of the minds like so that was Was really nice. Uh, We stayed up a little too late and kind of paid for it on Sunday, but (laughs) it was really nice. And other than that, life's been pretty quiet. Honestly, very quiet weekend. Working really hard on this case we are going to tell you guys about today. So I'm very excited about that. But yeah, it's been been quiet. The only thing I could think of is last week when we talked about you and your beaver fever.
0: (laughs) You know what's funny though? I actually got money in the mail from the government to Mm -hmm pay for the uh, license plate sticker that I had already paid for, because they're taking those away, I guess. Right. So since I already paid for it, I got money back and it was like 300 and something dollars, which was like the cheapest Justin Bieber ticket I could have gotten. And I was like, great. Now I had <laughs> this money coming in and like, I could have used this towards my Bieber fever. And like, it just came too late, but um, you know, it's better than I, yeah, it's better that I use that for my taxes anyways, because <laughs> taxes got me this year. So. Did they? They really did. I'm uh, very upset.
1: <laughs> they got me really hard last year, and I am expecting them to be very gentle to me this year. So if they get me this year, I'm going to be upset.
0: <laughs> did you do your, you did your taxes yet? No, not yet. I'm supposed to do them tomorrow. <laughs> I anyway. Hate, I freaking hate being an adult and like owing money like that.
1: Being an adult sucks. Taxes suck, but do your taxes. Everybody do your taxes. Yes,
0: do your taxes. (laughs) But anyway, so
1: your Bieber fever had me thinking that I never really had like that for any musician
0: or actor. Like I never had that fever like you did for Bieber or like you do for Bieber. I used to have it bad for Zach Efron too when high school musical was a thing. Oh my god.
1: (gasps) Yeah, I think Zac, Zac Efron
0: came first. Then Bieber came. Zac Efron is
1: like, I mean, how do you not love Zac Efron? Yeah, and Zac
0: Efron's like a man now, you know, like. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that had me thinking that the only time I ever really felt that way. So if you are a podcast listener and you like true crime, which is probably why you're here, if you haven't listened to the podcast, the last podcast on the left, you are missing out. It is my all time favorite podcast. It's three comedians. They they do a ton of intense research. They chat true crime. It's so good. And I went to see them live in Toronto. Oh,
0: no way. Yeah. Oh, I that's look- who you went to go see. I remember you yeah. going. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, It was two years ago now, it was pre-pandemic, but like honestly probably just just pre-pandemic. And I paid for the meet and greet tickets because they weren't like that much more expensive and me and my brother went and we did the yeah. whole thing, so I was just like, you know, why not? And I was starstruck, like I was shaking, and it's funny because like before this, Me and my brother were talking about this exact same thing. Like, if you could meet anyone who's famous or, you know, whatever, who would you meet? And that was my answer. Like, there's no one who's famous that I really care to meet, but like, Mm -hmm. I spend so much time listening to these guys. Like, I love what they do. They're so entertaining. And I literally couldn't say a word we took a picture together it was amazing Uh, like best experience ever if you have not listened to the last podcast on
0: the left you need to do so because it's the best
1: podcast out there oh my god
0: that's so cute I love that you paid the extra money for the meet and greet because that's actually more of an experience you know but if you can afford it you might as well and like you're gonna remember that forever so
1: yeah it was so worth it and like they come to Vancouver a lot so like when well not a lot but you know like every when they usually tour they make a stop in Vancouver so there's a chance that I go again and they're just like this little podcast network that started out of nowhere and they've just i've been following them for forever and they've just built their whole way up and i just love them so if Uh you want to listen to a good true crime podcast that does like intensive research you need to go listen to the last podcast on the left
0: are they hot are you just like
1: Or are you just like them for the podcast? Like, I think they're so attractive in their own way because I'm just like I love. Them. Like, yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but like I was just like, like
0: fangirling so hard. Like, actually, this reminds me of the first time I saw Justin Bieber. Is that <laughs> If you're not, a, if you don't have Bieber fever, I'm so sorry. Right now, I'm talking way too much about him, but it's really funny because we we're going to the concert and he was, you know, in his tour bus and you could kind of like go to the gate. Or like the the fence and see where the tour buses are so there was a whole lineup of us girls that had bieber fever this is in (laughs) i think like 2010 or something like that and all of a sudden he comes out of his tour bus to walk into the stadium and something came over me where i could not stop screaming i'm like this is actually (laughs) like a pandemic of bieber fever because i'm like "Ah!" and i couldn't i couldn't stop and he was like waving and i'm like oh my god this is like the best night of my life so you know sometimes things like that just give you you know a reason to live so it's hey, yeah why not an extra reason hopefully. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a little sprinkle on top of life you know <laughs> Okay. Enough about Bieber. I'll never bring him up. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) It's all good. I am done. So it's your turn, girl. (laughs) I don't have many updates either. Every week I say, you know, my life's pretty boring. It still is. I work from home. I don't (laughs) leave the house, but exciting news for my parents. They just sold their house, bought a new house. Yeah. So it's really exciting for them. They wanted something a bit smaller with no like outdoor maintenance. So that's good for them. Um, it makes me kind of sad because it's a townhouse with a bunch of stairs. So I'm like, I won't be able to bring Tucker (laughs) (laughs)
1: because Tucker can't do stairs. We'll have to like
0: carry him or something, but he has, he's never really been a dog that you, you can just easily carry that you know, he's
1: a huge golden he's, he's <laughs> like a huge a golden, golden yeah
0: not like overweight like big like yeah he's yeah. just he's always been a big boy like when he was a puppy everyone looked at his paws and they were like wow you're you have a big boy on your hands we're mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah but he's so cute so also what made me sad was like i have no room to go home to like i, I like fully own a house but i'm like what do you mean what? i don't have a room at my parents house anymore <laughs> Like I I, i'm 26 years old and i'm still like okay you're just gonna get Rid of my bedroom stuff? Like, what?
1: Yeah. Like, I can't
0: believe you. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can't believe you kick me out like that, you know?
1: (laughs) Like, I don't want to live with you, but what if I change my mind about being an adult and I just want to move right back in? Literally, though. I just FaceTimed my mom before we started recording. And I literally told her, I was like, I'm coming back and I'm moving in with you because gas and groceries are just the prices that have gone up. I can't do it anymore. It was like me, the boyfriend, the
0: dog, the cat, we're all coming home. and She was like, no, you're not. We're all squeezing in. And you're just going to say yes, because that's what you do. You're a parent. You know, we're your responsibility. You chose to have us enter this world. We didn't have any choice in that matter. So Unfortunately, you're stuck you know that doesn't stop at 18 like no <laughs> absolutely not that's what I'm saying I they should have thought about me when buying a new house and being like which room do you want oh I want the master and yeah. things <laughs> the, which room
1: do you want you know you're like with them you like run up the stairs I want this one no you're fighting with your brothers three oh years older God. than you are
0: <laughs> literally though
1: no. this update is just a uh growing oh, the place. <laughs> yeah exactly you <laughs> like everyone can agree adulting is hard we're all going through
0: it anyways before getting into this case this case was actually requested by uh, my sister-in-law so she requested this case it's going to be a two-part case so this week and then next week as well we'll finish it off but thank you so much emily for requesting this case i'm so excited to hear about it like always, I know absolutely nothing about what's heading my way, so I guess, uh, Renee, take it away. Yeah,
1: I'm a little nervous. I have to say, Emily, you're putting a, a big charge on my shoulders. Um, I have done my absolute best. Uh, there's a lot of information about this case. It's everywhere. It's very well known. So hopefully we, we do it some justice and uh, yeah, we're trying our best. So let's get into today's case sources for this case are a couple wikipedia articles there's a murderpedia article two articles from the canadian crimopedia there is a ctv article by diana meta there's also an article from the northumberland news as well as a global article by nick westall and morgan campbell and i watched two tv episodes on this case one was from dateline it was called name rank serial killer and there's another one from fifth estate called above suspicion we are starting this case in the early the neighborhood of Ottawa. It's January of 2009, and Brenda Constantine and her husband Brian Rogers and their children are arriving back home from a trip to Toronto. Their 15-year-old daughter notices something strange. She goes to her parents and tells them that all her underwear is missing from her bedroom. At first, her parents are thinking, she's a teenager, like, check your floor, you know how messy our rooms are when we're teenagers. <laughs> and... They then notice that some of her dresses are gone as well. And there's even some pictures of the 15-year-old girl missing from the family albums. This is truly terrifying. The minute you realize that someone has been in your home, in your safe space while you weren't home.
0: Yo, and taking that kind of
1: stuff. Yes, like that's just like predator. Like you know, yeah. like you just think like worst case scenario, they haven't come to your house to steal your TV, your Xbox, your laptop. That's not the reason they've come to your mm-hmm. house, right? It's it's way more sinister than that. Yeah, exactly, which is ten
0: times worse.
1: The couple is interviewed in the Fifth Estate episode, and they tell them that the police come to the home and they actually collect DNA near the underwear drawer. They then tell them to clean the area thoroughly. So we don't know what kind of DNA was collected. We can speculate wildly.
0: I was like, why do they want them to clean, like, DNA so, and then I you know yeah, yeah we're, we all were all
1: on the same page so yeah. super gross also was not aware that that was the family's responsibility to clean that kind of stuff up so after. true yeah it's like to what point do crime scene cleaners get called also are crime scene cleaners a thing
0: I just feel like it's, like, kind of traumatizing for the family to think all these things while they're cleaning. Like, you might as well just have someone clean. I would
1: like to think that they, like, clean it and collect and whatever. And then right. like, wipe everything down because mm-hmm. you will want to wipe everything down. So that's yeah. what I'm going to go with in my okay. head. The couple says that the 15-year-old didn't sleep in her bedroom for months. Girl, I do not blame you. I would. We'll I can imagine. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would be Living gone. Living in a hotel, out of the country. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. She didn't stay home alone for a long time, and her brothers and family and friends were always looking out for her. Which good. This is a good thing because obviously this was somewhat of a personal attack. Like he didn't only take her intimate stuff, but he took pictures of her. This <sighs> is dangerous, and this family did a good job by taking this extremely seriously and making sure that she wasn't ever alone for mm-hmm. however long they did after. This would be one of many break-ins that would happen in this neighborhood. The reporting is kind of unclear because obviously, you know, some people decide to report things, some decide not to, some might not even have really noticed that some things had been missing. Things like underground stuff, you know, like sometimes you're washing machine sucks up a pair of underwear or something and you don't realize it's gone until you go digging and you're like, oh, I haven't seen these in three months.
0: That's the thing. If it's just one or two pairs versus like if he takes, you know, all of the underwears or something, then yeah, you won't really notice.
1: So basically what I could kind of deduct from all the different reportings, it's somewhere between 15 to 34 break-ins that were It's in different houses? In different houses, yeah. Kind of the same surrounding neighborhoods of Orleans. thank God I don't live in Orleans. (laughs) I feel like a lot of our cases are out of Orleans. Yeah. Like most of when we're talking about Ottawa, we're talking Orleans. Mm -hmm. Which, Orleans, are you okay? The news of the break-ins would make its way around the community and people were scared. Like people knew to lock their doors and to be careful at night, which I think is a good thing. If something like this is going on, you would want to know. And you know, at least triple check your locks at night.
0: I mean, I do this every night, but that's just so I could fall asleep. I feel like I would like add three locks to my doors if this was going around my neighborhood
1: you can add what's that thing with the oh i don't uh, know like a hotel lock thing yeah okay this is gonna sound stupid but if you're worried about anything you can easily yeah. if even if you're renting you can easily add that little lock and chain on top if you need extra security yeah i'd find it creepy if you're renting too because the people you're renting from have access to your unit usually
0: yeah and if so, the
1: people before you didn't give all their keys back
0: yeah you you, you know? never know mm-hmm. and like
1: man's Screw that security deposit. If you need to feel safe and you need to put something like that in, by
0: all means, do it. Good idea, Renee. Thank you. I will be doing that. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) Cody, can you go to Home Depot? (laughs) Right now. still open for 10 minutes.
1: (laughs) We're now going to pause on Orleans and make our way to Tweed, Ontario. Tweed is about a two and a half hour drive away from Orleans. In Tweed, they were strangely having a similar problem. They had had a string of break-ins that had been going on since 2007, and I mean many break-ins. The main thing that was being stolen is women's lingerie. The crimes would escalate, and by 2009, two women had been sexually assaulted in the area. These crimes were starting to be tied together and the perpetrator was named the Tweed Creeper. So I feel like a lot of people have mixed feelings about like naming someone who does these kinds of crimes because it kind of gives them that like that notoriety and puts like mm-hmm. kind of like that I don't know it's it, it kind of like sells papers or it's kind of like a more attractive way to like say something where you're reading and it's more eye catching and stuff so I don't know if it's ever really beneficial to an investigation to name a person or a criminal like this but it happens very very often. So, like I mentioned, there was two women that were sexually assaulted. So, from what I was able to deduct from watching the two episodes I talked about earlier, the Fifth Estate as well as the Forty Eight Hour Mystery episode, there's a woman who speaks in the Forty Eight Hour Mystery episode, and then there's a separate woman named in the Fifth Estate episode. I am assuming that these are the two women that have been sexually assaulted, and here's the information that I was able to get from that. The first woman was assaulted in September of two thousand nine. She was sleeping next to her eight week old baby and at about 1 a.m an intruder broke in he sexually assaulted her he took pictures of her and he left around about 3 a.m which is so awful and it i mean this is this is the type of stuff we're talking about this week so this is not for you we do not blame you (laughs) skip Mm -hmm. to the next episode the one after part two (laughs) because this is really brutal yeah that's intense and it's scary it's it's like your worst yeah. nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's someone being in your home in your safe space.
0: Like I've said, it, it's honestly terrifying. Especially sleeping next to your eight-week-old baby, that's like an extra layer of like vulnerability. Yes. Like
1: just like the state of mind you're in at the time, like you've just given birth eight weeks ago. And you know, your like mama bear instincts are probably on super high, your hormones are high, and you're just like, I mean, anytime this is awful, but yeah, like you're just especially vulnerable, like you said. So the second woman who speaks in the 48-hour mystery episode, her name is Lori, and her assault also took place in September. Of 2009. She was asleep when the intruder broke into her house. She was obviously fast asleep. You're not expecting this. He totally surprises her. He starts to punch her and beat her up. He then blindfolds her and ties her. She thought he was definitely going to kill her. She says that she begged him for her life and asks him not to kill her. She tells him that she's in pain and she thinks she's going to be sick. And then he goes and gets her Tylenol. He pats her on the head and he apologizes. He so this pats entire, her on the yes, head. This entire time, she blindfolded so she can't see a thing but at this point she feels like does this person have a conscience like what a strange like mix of emotions you must be having at the time and the confusion on top of what's already like the most confusing terrifying situation you could ever be in during this attack he had a knife to her he cut all of her clothes off and he took pictures of her she says that he didn't rape her but he degraded her in other ways posing her throughout the assault. After a three and a half hour assault, he leaves. She waits 30 minutes after he left to call 911. I'm sure this is because she was so scared that he was just going to come back or that he mm-hmm. was still in the house or like, how
0: do you really know that that's, he's gone and that you're in the clear? Yeah, that's really heartbreaking. I'm just thinking too, like, I guess these women lived by themselves or no one else's home. Yeah.
1: And we're going to find out more information later, but this, this perpetrator often like very very often would break into the home kind of take a look around to like see if the person lived alone and then leave and then break in later and this is when the attacks would happen he kind of confirmed that these women were living alone before doing anything so she obviously couldn't believe that she had just lived through that she thought for sure he was going to kill her and when the police arrived they admit to her that there had been a similar crime in the area however they had not publicized anything laurie says that she feels her attack could have been prevented after this from what i understand the news started to spread. Constables went door to door in search for information that might lead them to the prowler that locals called the Tweed Creeper. Investigators had a suspect based on the fact that the second sexual assault victim had recognized the intruder's voice. Now, it's unclear if this was the first woman I mentioned or Lori. I'm not exactly sure. She thought it might have been a man by the name of Larry Jones. Larry lived in a home on Cozy Cove Lane. He arrives home one day and finds police all over his house, so OPP SWAT is searching and they're there to talk to him. Larry was adamant that he was not the man that had done these crimes. It took a three-hour investigation investigation, a polygraph, a DNA test, and many follow-ups to clear his name. But unfortunately, it was kind of too late for Larry. Rumors had started to spread throughout the town that he was the main suspect. So this is hard, right? And this is a smaller town Tweed. You know, it's not as big as Ottawa. So I think in smaller towns like this, rumors do tend to spread a lot mm-hmm. faster.
0: Yeah, and it sucks if you are not actually the perpetrator and and you have this rumor going around about you like, ouch. Yeah.
1: About two months later, in mid-November, a woman named Anne Marsan Cook was living in Belleville. Belleville is about 30 minutes away from Tweed. Anne was a music teacher at the Trenton Air Base. On this day, she is home getting ready for her birthday party at a friend's house. She's rushing and getting changed and notices that one of her drawers is open. This is strange to me and it's just an observation, but a lot of these break-ins, drawers were left open after. So to me, it's like he kind of like gets off on the fact that like they know that he's been there. Mm-hmm. Like some some people he's stealing little things and maybe that's when he first started. But after a while, he's swiping like entire underwear drawers and leaving these drawers open. So yeah. he wants people to know that he was there. He wants it to terrify these women. Also with the amount, and we'll get into the kind of exact, if we can be as exact as possible, amount of break-ins that happen. but with the amount that happened, like he's getting more and more confident because he's not getting caught ever. Mm-hmm. In the drawer that was open, that's where she kept her sex toys and they were missing. She thought it might have been some sick joke and she spoke to her neighbor about it. They both decided not to call the police Part of this is because it was too embarrassing and they felt that it might be looked at as a joke. Which, Kate, okay, come on. Can we be like a bit more sex positive than that? I hope that things have changed a little bit right. since then. Maybe not. <clears throat> but I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I, it's, just, it's I best... don't know what to say. But like, I just, come on. Like,. <laughs> <sighs>
0: But especially when these things are actually happening, there are cases of women being sexually assaulted, a man's going around and breaking in homes and taking underwear and things, you know. Yeah,
1: Anne will tell us that she actually knew what was going on in tweet at the time. So, I mean, I think it's hard to think like those are connected, but I think it's important that like when something like this is happening, that everyone is talking about it. And when something like this happens, that we don't feel too embarrassed that- mm-hmm. It's just something like that. It's missing because these are all really important things Mm -hmm. for an investigation like this. So that being said, her neighbor was like, you're not staying here tonight. Grab your stuff and just made sure that she wouldn't stay at home alone tonight. The next day, he drops her off at home and he hears Anne scream. Anne was grabbing a couple
0: of things and getting ready for work. This is
1: when she sees this message on her computer.
0: Go ahead and phone the police. I want to show the judge your really big dildos. So,
1: first of all, this is the most terrifying thing because, basically... I would drop dead right
0: then and there if I was her. (laughs) Like, literally? Wow. That's scary. So, she realizes at this point that...
1: Okay, no, one second, let me finish this and I'll tell you guys what is the most creepy thing about this. She then heads to her bedroom and she sees that all of her underwear are missing. She realizes that the intruder must have been in her house listening to her conversation that she was having with her neighbor, debating whether or not they should be calling the cops. That's so true. If you don't have full body chills right now, like this is the scariest thing. Anne tells the Fifth Estate that at this point she knows someone is out to get her. She wondered if it was connected to the Tweed break-ins. Anne and the neighbor actually ask investigators if it's connected. And they tell the Fifth Estate that the officers were unaware of what was going on in Tweed just 30 minutes away. Anne says at this point she did her best to tell every woman she could what happened to her and so she feels very lucky to still be alive because he was doing that thing breaking in checking things out and he was gonna stay or come back later that night and could have been one of his victims nope nope i I don't like this case i was writing this case late last night and i told marie that i just like freaked myself out, (laughs) and I I just kept going because it needed to be written, but I was a freaked out.
0: Thank you, Emily. (laughs) Thanks, Emily. Thanks, girl. I'm so excited to be home alone.
1: In November of 2009, Marie-France Camo is a 38-year-old woman. She's living in Brighton, Ontario, and she was a corporal in the military. She is described as a free spirit. She was an artist, and she was someone who just loved life. She was curious and wanted to explore and discover the world, and she loved her job, and it allowed her to travel and try new things. Before this incident takes place, Marie-France had actually noticed that someone had been through her undergarments and she thought that it might have been her ex-boyfriend. The night of this attack, between 10.30 and 11 p.m., she was spending a night at home. She was on the phone in her bedroom. She then gets ready for bed, but like a true cat mom, she goes to check on her cats. The information we're going to get next, we have to be mindful of who it's coming from because the victims don't survive these attacks. So in my mind, most of this is coming from the perpetrator, so we always have to be mindful of that. She notices that one of her cats goes down to the basement and she heads down. And this next part is truly horrifying. She notices that her cat is staring at something. If you're a cat owner, your cats are always staring at walls and ghosts and you're just like looking at them like, what are you looking at? But she realizes her cat is staring at a man hiding in her basement. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm scared myself. Literally. (laughs) He had entered through the basement window and he had been hiding behind the furnace for about 30 to 40 minutes, waiting for her to go to sleep. The man had his face covered. She's caught off guard and this is obviously extremely terrifying. I'm sure there would be like a delay in your reaction, just like trying to understand what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. This is like my perception, but I feel like you couldn't really have like a full grasp on reality right away. You'd be like, what?
0: I feel like I would be speechless, like…
1: Yeah. Like frozen. Yeah. The intruder hits Marie-France several times with a flashlight. The two struggle. And the intruder overpowers her he ties her to a post with a piece of clothing he then undresses her and takes pictures of her with only a shawl covering her body the intruder secures the house so kind of looks around to make sure that everything's good probably locks all the doors if they're not already locked he takes more picture of Marie france while she's naked and unconscious on the staircase. If it wasn't already obvious, it's trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning episode, but he takes her up to her bedroom, where he rapes her for a while, and he videotapes the assault. The intruder then attempted to suffocate her with a pillow. She was able to fight him off. She even was able to try and run a few times, but unfortunately, he caught up to her. Marie-France was truly a fighter, obviously, and she was not going down just that easy. She already had duct tape over her eyes and mouth, but then he put some over her nose. This would end up suffocating her to death. He would then wash all the bedding and bleach and take pictures of himself cleaning. This, The pictures with this guy, like, it's weird. It's just like, come it's on. It's like, sick. Like it's just, I'm sure he's truly has, sick.
0: It's truly sick because what are you gonna do with those pictures? Honestly, all I'm thinking Reliving. of is him looking and having photo albums just full of these pictures, and it's absolutely disgusting.
1: He wants to relive his crimes. Is what he's doing. I can't believe people like this exist. I know it's it's something is not wired right. He then steals several pairs of her underwears. <laughs> are you kidding dude and he leaves through the patio door her body was discovered more than 30 hours after her murder she was discovered by her boyfriend because she had not shown up for a dinner date which is so awful her death would later be determined to be around 3 30 a.m marie france camo spent 12 years in the military and had reached the rank of corporal before her death in november at first her death was classified as a suicide which i don't even know how it could have been but it was quickly changed to homicide thank you I couldn't find much about the investigation that was done right after her death, but when we talk about this case as an entirety later, we'll kind of go into how... Everything here is connected. Now we're gonna talk about Jessica Lloyd. On January 27th in 2010, she is a 27 year old living in Tweed, Ontario. Jessica was described as friendly, witty, and outgoing. She was also incredibly funny. She often ran on her treadmill, and she wouldn't know it at the time, but a predator would notice her through the windows of her home. Okay. This to me is ultimately the most terrifying thing in the world because I do not run outside because so many women get abducted and murdered while they run outside. And that might be crazy, but to me, it's just way easier to run at home on my treadmill, watching a TV show where you think you're safe. Yeah, where I'm not like wearing two earphones Mm -hmm. and I'm just like more vulnerable because I'm not paying attention. Because if you're a true crime addict, You know that running outside as a woman, for whatever reason, people get murdered that way. And I've just like not been willing to take that chance. So this to me is like, are you kidding? Again, someone else who's not putting themselves in a vulnerable position, who's just minding their own business. It's just, it's so frustrating. On January 28th, Jessica came back home from a night out and she sends a final text to her friend for going to bed around 10.30. That was the last time anyone would hear from her. The same intruder we've been discussing this entire episode broke into her house while she was out to confirm that she lived alone. He then left and planned to come back. Later that night, he broke back into her home and entered her bedroom while she was sleeping. Jessica was attacked while she was fast asleep. He again, like the last attack, tied her up and he blindfolded her with duct tape. He took pictures of her throughout the assault and rape and videotaped it. Obviously terrified, she cooperated with his demands. You have to think that in these situations, you can either cooperate and then he leaves, hopefully, or you fight him, but this is a large man and you've been completely Mm -hmm. caught by surprise. Like, what is your best bet here? He spent three hours in her house assaulting her and taking pictures. He then put her into his truck and took her to his home in Tweed. What? Yeah, it's escalating. Once at the home, he forced her to take a shower and he let her sleep. It's reported that she had a seizure while she was there, which I mean could have been related to many different things, but if he viciously attacked her and hit her in the head, this could have been sign of any kind of you know, brain trauma, no matter how minimal or big it was. He then raped her again, and he fed her. He dressed her, and he actually removed the duct tape. He kind of like pretends he's going to let her go, and maybe he's still even debating in his head if he is or not. But ultimately, he hits her over the head again, and he strangles her. On January 29th, he buried Jessica in a shallow grave. Jessica was reported missing when she didn't show up for work. Jessica's mom, called Andy, her brother, And he went by her house to check on her. He thought it was weird because all of her things were at the house her phone, her purse, they were all still at the home. And like, who leaves home without that? Mm -hmm. Her car was even there, right? Like, this is strange. This next part is from the Canadian Encyclopedia.
0: Investigators from the OPP and the Belleville Police Department suspected that the sexual assaults in Tweed, the Como murder, and Lloyd's disappearance were connected. The search began. It included personnel and a search and rescue aircraft from CFB Trenton.
1: What I'm about to tell you next is information that would lead to the new suspects and eventual arrest. The night of Jessica's attack, two men were driving by Jessica's house. They were picking up a load in their truck. One of these men was Lyle Barker. He was the passenger. and he He sees an SUV parked in the field far from the road and far from any houses. He thought that this seemed odd. Both men actually discussed it in the car how strange it was that there was just a random SUV basically parked out in a field. Once the men saw the missing posters of Jessica's, they put it all together and they told the police. The SUV was parked so close to Jessica's home that they thought that it might be connected. In this field is where police found tire tracks. The tire tracks had a distinctive tread, and this narrowed the potential suspect's vehicle. These vehicles included a Nissan Pathfinder. At the crime scene, there's also large footprints outside of Jessica's home. They took impressions of these footprints just like they did with the tire tracks, which is, you know, we can give them that pretty good investigating. Investigators then set up police checkpoints to try and find cars with similar tracks. On the evening of February 4th at an OPP checkpoint on Highway 37, they stop a Nissan Pathfinder. The man driving the car is Colonel Russell Williams. This next part is also from the Canadian Encyclopedia.
0: While appearing to be looking for drunk drivers, officers asked occupants of vehicles questions pertinent to the search for Lloyd and examined tires. Williams said he was in a hurry because he had a sick child at home. During the brief roadside interrogation, officers saw that the tread of Williams' tires matched those found in the field. From that moment, Williams was under police surveillance.
1: On Sunday, February 7th, Russell Williams was at his new house in the Westboro neighborhood of Ottawa. He was asked to come in to an Ottawa Police Department by the OPP. It's reported that he thought they were going to ask him about Larry Jones. If you remember, Larry Jones was a suspect I named earlier. And this is because it turns out that Russell Williams owned a cottage in Tweed right beside Larry Jones. They were neighbors. No way. And this is where we will stop for this week. But before finishing up, I wanted to give you a few words from Marie Frances and Jessica's friends and family. During an outdoor memorial service held in Marie Frances' honor, this is what was said about her.
0: Personally, Marie-France was universally described as brave, amiable, and charismatic. She had a healthy zest for life, and in everything she did, aimed to maximize every experience. She was fun-loving and kept her co-workers on their toes with her mischievous ways. Her infectious smile made a positive impression on anyone who had the privilege of making her acquaintance.
1: As for Jessica, a longtime friend, Lisa Ray, described Jessica as the kind of friend everyone should strive to be.
0: She was constantly always putting others before herself. She was well liked, even with the way the community came together. She had such a wide friend base, everyone just loved her. You couldn't help but love her.
1: We will be donating to an organization connected to this case next week after part two.
0: As always, pictures for this case will be posted on our Instagram, so please follow us at Terrible True Crime. And if you enjoy, if the show, please subscribe and leave us a review below. If you have any case suggestions, please send us a message on our socials or email us at truecrime at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us and see you next time.